0: Hebrews chapter 4, please, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. In time of need. Let's pray. Father, we ask you now in Jesus' name that you would just settle us and let your word have free course. Father, apply your own word through your Holy Spirit. Dig deep, Lord. Dig deep. Cause us, Lord, to take root and bear fruit. Help us to see you for who you are and see ourselves for what you've done. And glorify the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ. We ask it in his name and we ask it for his glory alone. Amen. This is the third week that we have looked at Old Covenant Sympathy, New, test, new Testament or New Covenant Empathy. And God from way before the foundation of the world loved you, knew you. His love was set upon you. Ephesians chapter 1 will tell you that. That he knew you, he loved you, set his love upon you. Sympathy is that when we come alongside someone who's going through a time of trial or trouble or anxiety, or worry, or fear, or mourning, or grief, or whatever. And, and we come alongside to say, am thinking about you, I'm with you, I'm, I'm, I'm side by side to try support, to know all about this situation, and even maybe about the person. So we sympathize. And in the Old Testament, God did that. he done it for Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel. And his love was always there, he did that. But for God to not only know us, but for God to understand us as human beings. In the New Covenant we read that God becomes flesh, becomes a man, and God understands what temptation is like. He can't be tempted, but he understands what temptation is like because he has God in a body of flesh in the person of the Lord Jesus. And he knows what pain is like, and he knows what suffering is like, and God knows what loss is like in the sense of death. God knows what it's all like, and how we as human beings feel. He knows what tiredness is like, and thirst is like, and hunger is like. And he can not only sympathize and come along to help, but he empathizes. And the word empathy is really when you can really enter into someone's suffering because you've walked the road they've walked. You've wore their shoes, their moccasins, as it were. And you know exactly what they're thinking, how they're feeling. And God becomes man. He knows our thoughts. But he understands us as a man. So as God, he knows me. As a man, he understands me. Understands my frailties and my weaknesses. He understands them because... Uh, In our reading in Hebrews chapter 4, we read that the Lord Jesus is our high priest, spoken of here. In verse 15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet he was without sin. In other words, when you're tempted, and I'm tempted, sometimes we overcome the temptation we should always strive to. But when we're tempted, we fail many times a day. Even without realizing it, without understanding it, without knowing it, we're always failing. And God knows what that's like to be tempted, but yet he is without sin. He never failed once. So he understands you. He knows you, but he understands you this morning. It's not an understanding to excuse Someone walking perpetually, continually, habitually in an open course of sin. That's not what it means. It means he understands our weaknesses, our bodily weaknesses, the sicknesses. When Christ died on the cross, he took our sin, but he also took our sicknesses. And he knows what it's like to feel what cancer feels like. He knows what's like, what to feel what arthritis feels like. He knows what it's like to feel what every disease feels like. He took our sin and our sorrows. Our sickness and our shame. And he nailed him to the cross of Calvary. And when he shed his blood, it was an atonement for you and me. I feel like this this morning. He knows what you feel like. And he understands. I've failed him. He knows the frailties of the flesh and he understands. He's our great high priest. In other words, he stands between God and man he intercedes, the high priest in Israel went behind the curtain once a year and he was interceding on the behalf of Israel as though Israel's sins were his own sins. And Christ intercedes because our sin, as though our sins, because our sins became his sins. He was without sin, did no sin, was yet without sin. And he died a, 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 a sinless as to his own merit, but full of sin because he took your sin and mine. He knows what it's like to be separated from God. And he never knew it before that. He says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Or Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. When the Father, as it were, forsook him, he cried from the cross. I've never been parted from you before. Why have you forsaken me? And it shows us a picture of how God cannot have sin in His kingdom or heaven, whatever way you want to put it. God will not have it because heaven is pure. You see, heaven is without pain. We, we looked at it a couple of Sunday nights ago. It's without suffering, it's without tears, it's without sickness. Everything in it is glory. Everything in it is holy. And God cannot allow a man or a woman into heaven in their sin. Our great high priest, he stands interceding for us as it were, as though our sins are his. And the high priest also shed blood. And his own blood was shed, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. There was an animal's blood, a lamb was shed, and it was applied to the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And God saw the blood and says, there's been an animal has shed its blood, a a, a perfect, a sinless, a, a pure animal shed its blood. And since that, since that had happened, Christ, the Lamb of God, sinless and pure, shed his blood, That when God looks at me and God looks at you who are in Christ, saved, born again, trusting in him, God sees nothing but the blood. And I say this morning, the difference, I've said it before, let me say it again. The difference between the flesh of any other man and my own flesh, there's none except this that mine has been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ and is simply waiting for its change. The thing is, our high priest, our great high priest, knows about our flesh. I want to show you something. We've been looking at how God is always more willing to save the lost than the lost are willing to be saved because they're dead to God. They have no understanding. They don't want to know him. Until the Holy Spirit speaks to them and quickens them and the idea is that God calls them, come, come, come to me, come, will you come? And here we have, we've looked at it through a couple of weeks, I can't go through it all, but... We've looked at how God has said in different verses from Genesis chapter 7 and verse 1. He said unto Noah and his sons and their wives, when there was going to be a flood, the ark has been built. The time has come when judgment would be poured out upon them. And God is in the ark. Did you hear that? God was first in the ark. God was before them. God had done it all. And God says, now if you want to be saved, you come to me. And God was in the ark. And those who went into the ark were saved, going to where God had called them. And of course we know the flood came, washed them all away. Noah's sons and their wives were saved. And the archetype of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are reconciled back to God, for God is always still calling us. For example, whenever the, the, the Apostle Paul writes in uh, his letter to the, the Church of the Colossians, He says that your life is hid with Christ, where? In God. He also tells us in the book of Corinthians that God was in Christ. In other words, God was in the ark. The ark is a type of Christ. And he calls us into our ark, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says it's only in this ark when judgment or the flood comes can you be saved. God was in Christ doing what? Reconciling us unto himself. In other words, reconciling the man, reconciling the woman, who do not know him, who have not trusted in him, who are far away from him. God calls come. Now we looked through a a, a few different things. And last week we finished at the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 10. And it's also again similar in verse 13. And Solomon, the great king of Israel, coming from the palace, all the soldiers charging down, as it were, this road. He sees a young Shulamite girl who is filthy with the the work of the field. She's a pauper. She's poor, uh, probably ragged clothes and and tatters. And she's in the field with her hands all grubby. You see the dirt under her fingernails. And she says, I am black but comely. In other words, she says, don't look on me because I am black. It means my face has been so sunburnt that it's went uh, wizened and hard. I look older for my age, that type of thing. other race is saying, don't be looking at me because I don't look beautiful at all. See the ground in dirt, always working in the field, poor. And this great king comes down. Solomon sings, in the Bible, Solomon sings to her, she back to Solomon. It's a type of Yahweh or Jehovah, Almighty God, our Father, singing to Israel and it's to you and I who are redeemed in Christ here's the love song and back and forward and he comes down and he sees her and he as it were uh, he calls her to himself whether he uh, I said he's on a horse or a camel or a chariot I don't know but generally it would be a chariot he, he, he as it were he holds out his hand and he says rise up my love my fur one and come away Take my hand, come with me and I'll bring you to where I am. She couldn't go to the palace. She couldn't just walk in. She couldn't go to where he was. And you and I cannot go to where God is. We cannot go to heaven unless we hear the call of Christ, the hand of mercy that says, Take my hand, rise up my love, my fair one and come away. Now this young girl is in her, in her dirt, in her ragged clothes and she's poor, she's a pauper, she's filthy. And Solomon looks at her with eyes of love. And those eyes of love see past the dirt and the filthiness. See past the poverty. The ragged and tattered clothes. And says, rise up. I can lift you out of this. Rise up, my love. Listen, my fair one. You see, God sees That man and woman, maybe they're an alcoholic now or maybe they're a drug addict or maybe they're a paramilitary or maybe they're they're, they're, they're fornicating or maybe they're a prostitute or maybe they're just a a simple person, church-going, unsaved man or woman who who think they're self-righteous and when they hear the call of God and they come to him, God sees not who they are in their sin, he doesn't see them in their addiction he sees past it all and he sees the beauty of them. He says, to me you're fair. And always you're beautiful. Lord, look at me. Solomon, great king, look at me. I'm filthy. In fact, you know what she says? I'm doing this by memory. Now, Song of Solomon, chapter one, about verse four, five maybe. She says, I am like the tents of Kedar as the curtains of Solomon. In other words, she's saying the tents of Gadar were, they were like the traveling community of that day. And they had big tents, started off as white linen. And every time they put it up, they could stay for a day, a week, a month, a year, 10 years. But they took it down and they carried it across the desert and they put it up and they'd done the same all their life. And it became weather beaten and tattered and torn and dirty and, and ground dirt was in it. And it became from white to tarnished to almost a, a dirty black color. And she says, I am Oz, the tent of Kedar. But when she's singing the song, she's looking back. Because she's taken the offer to come to him. And he's brought her into his palace. He's cleaned her up. He's fed her. She's looking healthy. She's looking gloriously Beautiful. And she says, I was like the tents of Qadar. And she sees these, these glorious curtains in the majestic palace of Solomon. She says, I was as the tents of Qadar, but now I am as the curtains of Solomon. Such is the difference between a man and a woman who are in their sin. When they get saved and God sanctifies them. And fills them with the Spirit, and He's cleansed them with the blood of Jesus. And as the Shulamite says, "I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine." And they fall in love with Jesus, and they start to walk with Him and serve Him. And they see eventually what God sees in you, from when you were in your sin. God doesn't see you worthless useless God doesn't see you the way you even see you God sees you beautiful in Christ God sees you exalted in his son here's the invitation will you come But the Shulamite say I am my beloved and he is mine and his banner over me is judgment no he does not she knows him now his banner over me is love he loves you child of God he loves you I want to look at this and we'll wrap that up because we did sing longer this morning and it's taken a lot of time up but that's the way the Lord wanted it to be so turn with me if you will to Isaiah chapter 1 Isaiah chapter 1 please Uh, this is a verse that we hear from gospel pulpits all over the country. And by the way, that's okay what they're doing with it. It's fine. But one little verse, let your eye please run down to verse 18. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Here's the invitation, come now. Hmm. Come when you get home. No, it doesn't say that. Come tomorrow. It doesn't say that either. Come next week. doesn't say that. The invitation is, God says to you, come. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And we know the sins like scarlet and red like crimson is Israel in their sin. And... God was saying to them, you've brought other gods into the nation. God was saying, you've, you've worshipped other things. God was saying, you're, you're very sinful in your ways. You're, I've loved you and you, you just keep turning my love away. I keep calling you and you keep walking away from me. And God gives a picture here, an idea of something. That there's sin here, in, in Isaiah 1 18, gives the idea going back to Leviticus, we'll not look at it this morning, I'll tell you about it and you can read it when you go home. Going back to Leviticus chapter 13, and people had to go to the high priest if they had a skin rash. Maybe psoriasis or they weren't sure what it was. White flaky skin. They went to the high priest, and they had to show it. And God sets out an order, in order to keep health in the nation, he sets out an order, what to look for medically. And how this could turn to leprosy. And when you go home and read Leviticus chapter 13, it's a bit of a conundrum, and you'll read the word white coming up all the time. White, white, white. And if it's white, and it stays white, and it doesn't spread, it's not leprosy, you're cleansed. There's a a cleansing program then in chapter 14 of Leviticus. And here the Lord is bringing this and saying, look, you see the way your diseases come on you? Do you see the way the skin rash comes? Do you see the way leprosy comes? Or maybe it's not leprosy and you need to know if it is leprous. You see the way you have to go to your high priest. And he says to you, he looks at it and he says, yes, that's come red, it's went deeper than the skin. That's leprous, you must be set apart you must be cast outside the camp of Israel. Well, the Lord says, listen, your sin looks like that to me. God says, your idolatry looks like that to me. In fact, when I look at you as a nation, and I'm sure the Lord's looking at our nation today and saying the same. When I look at you as a nation, he says, I see a leper. When I look at you as an individual, I see a leper. I see someone who must be cast out. I see someone who can't come into the company of my people to worship me. I see someone who, 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 who's got a, such a disease that'll bring forth death and destruction. That's what God's saying here. He says, But uh, come to me. <laughs> but Lord, you're telling me we have to be put outside the camp. We're outcasts. The Lord says you are. If you stay in your leprosy, you'll be outside the kingdom. But if you come to me, here's his mercy and here's his grace. Remember what I told you the other week in this Mercy is when we do not get that which we do deserve. Okay? Mercy is when we do not get that which we do deserve. In other words, we deserve, no matter how good we are, religious we are, we deserve hell. We deserve to be lost forever. We deserve judgment. We deserve punishment. We deserve to be cast out. Mercy finds us and. When we obtain mercy, it means we do not get that which we do deserve. We don't get all that. Because we find grace. And grace means when we get that which we do not deserve. We didn't deserve salvation. We didn't deserve forgiveness. We didn't deserve the blood of Jesus. We didn't deserve God's Son. We didn't deserve any of it. We didn't deserve heaven. None of us deserve it. In other words, God owes us nothing but gives us everything. Gives us everything freely. It's grace. And he says, come to me, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Here's grace and mercy. He says, look, I should keep you outside the camp. That's what you deserve. In other words, I should let you stay in your sin and not call you. That's what you deserve. That's what I deserve. That's what we all deserve. But grace says, come to me. Grace says, come. Come and talk about it. Let me show you who you are. Let me show you for a second. Go, go to Isaiah chapter 1 verse. Let your eye uh, run down to verse 3 please. Just quickly before we round this up. Listen to what the Lord said. And feel the heart of God for a people that he loves. Who have turned away from him. And you can feel the heart of God for loving you if you've turned away from him. Listen to this or you won't accept him. The ox knoweth his owner. And, his, and the ass, his master's crib. But Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. In other words, an old, an old ox knows its master. And the donkey, the ass, knows where it sleeps. But you are like wandering sheep everywhere and you won't come to me. Feel God's heart in that? You've backslidden from me. You, you won't come to me. Notice the next one. This is how he sees them. Notice. Ah, notice that. Verse 4, ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger, they are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken anymore? Will you revolt more and more? Notice this, the whole head is sick, the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. You know what God says? I see you as a leper who's falling apart, full of sin, full of sickness. I see you in the realm of death. Nobody's even trying to be righteous. Nobody's wanting me. Nobody's wanting my word. I see you like that. Wounds, bruises, putrefying sores. You haven't even poured ointment on it to try and get it healed. In other words, you haven't been asking for my spirit. You haven't been praying for the word, asking for the word of God. You don't want me anymore or anything to do with it. You're casting me out, he's saying. He says, and I look at you from your foot to your head. He says, you're corrupt. And you're like a leper who's dying. notice his love verse 18 you're like that but come now grace come to me I can heal you come to me I'll forgive you come to me I'll protect you come now let us reason together saith the Lord let's talk about this so you can see the Lord is always saying come Always inviting us to come. He's more wanting you to come into His presence to pray, to worship, just to fellowship and commune with Him than you are with Him. He's saying, I'm heaven's open 24 7. There's a throne of grace. He says, My throne is to bless you. This throne is. Is to help you. This throne is to encourage you. This throne is to strengthen you. The throne here is to find, obtain that mercy. To find grace. To help. In a time of need. And the word need there, we'll look at it another morning, is a time of seasonal time. Of hardship. You know those times when things are hard, but things in other times are Really hard. I mean really, really hard. That's what it means he says, see those towns. He says, My arms are open wide. Heaven is at your disposal. There's a throne of grace. And he's shouting in our faces, Come nigh. Come boldly. With assurance it means. We'll look at it another next week or a week after maybe. Come to my throne of grace. I want to bless you. I'm here for you. Finish with this. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Looking back, he sees the nation like that, and he says, Now come to me. And as I said, it it flicks back to uh, Leviticus chapter 13. Get into Leviticus chapter 14. There was an offering to be made, and the Lord Jesus made mention of it in Mark chapter 1. You can read it when you go home, and it's round about verse 40, round about there. And this man, was full of leprosy, comes up, and he's to stay about 10 to 12 feet away from everyone. Touch a leper, you're unclean yourself. And he asks him, he says, If I wilt, thou canst make me clean. And in Mark's Gospel it says, and the Lord went and says, I will be thy queen and lay his hand on him. Now see in the Greek New Testament, that's not the way it reads. The actual reading is that as the words come out of Jesus' mouth, Jesus' hand doesn't touch after the words. It touches during the words. And the idea is, is that when the words come, he's healed in an instant and the hand approves it. And he says, go and show yourself to the priest. And then go and do that sacrifice or make that offering as is spoken by Moses. You can read it when you go home. And that brings us to Leviticus chapter 14. And they took two pigeons and they got a bowl and running water. And over the running water they killed the pigeon. The other one's still alive. And the blood goes into the bowl and they take cedar, they take hyssop, they take the pigeon and they dip all three into the blood and they take the living pigeon out and they throw it up into the sky and it flies away. See, the blood speaks of the blood of Calvary that was to come to set the prisoner free. The water speaks of the washing of the water of the word and later you speak about the oil that's to be poured on that Isaiah speaks about here in Isaiah chapter 1 which speaks of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Lord says in Mark chapter 1 go and do that for that's about to happen when I go to the cross. The pigeon that flies away represents the resurrected ascended Christ. He who is living was dead and now is alive forevermore. So God says come come Hebrews 4 says come now or come therefore boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. You know why we can find so much grace to help? Because we have Old Testament sympathy in the power of our almighty God but really because we have a great high priest and we find New Testament or New Covenant empathy of one who knows me and understands me. This morning, whenever you're thinking or going through, he understands you. He knows you. We'll look at it other weeks. We'll ignore a few weeks of this. He knows you and he understands you from sympathy to empathy. He's walked in our shoes in human form in order that you and I would find grace and strength at the throne of grace. There's your place to go this morning? Time's slow and way past, so God bless you this morning. Thank you for your attention, it's been tremendous. Don't forget tonight, folks, come out for the Kingdom Kids and support the leaders.